Hello, friends. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here for another thrilling edition of the Torch Report Weekend Review. Well, 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 hello, my friends, and welcome to the show. I am the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here thanking each of you for tuning in yet again for another exciting edition of the Torch Report Weekend Review, where we cover so much more than just the news, friends. As you know... There is no shortage of talking heads in the media these days, though uh, there are a few less talking heads as Don Bongino and Tucker Carlson and others. uh, The heads have rolled for speaking out against the state sanctioned narrative, friends. But still, there's no shortage of hosts out there pining for your attention, hoping and praying that you might listen to their programs, that you'd be enticed to agree with their perspectives and opinions, that you would ultimately maybe adopt some of their talking points and and push what they think is the way to go, friends. And as you know, a lot of them have some really good things to say. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not thinking that I've got a corner on the market of the truth here, but the Torch Report is the truth you can trust, not because I'm asking you to take my word for it, but because I share with you all of the research that I do so you can develop your own informed perspective. And when I look out at the talking heads and the, and the media, even in the uh, the alt media, the right leaning media and and of course the alt left media and all of that kind of stuff, what I see is that though there are people out there with some good things to say, there are some major gaps in the uh, conversation, like major, major gaps. And that's what compelled me to toss my hat into the ring and lend my voice to the choir. Why aren't people talking about the secret cabal that's trying to enslave us all? The commies are taking over the world! (laughs) And friends, as I say that, I know, I know exactly why. And I'll tell you why. The reason people aren't talking about the great reset and the secret global cabal that's trying to enslave us all is because it sounds absolutely insane and i get it i know i know that most pundits and media personalities they don't want to risk their reputations talking about things that seem so fringe all of these vast right-wing conspiracies that we patriots get mercilessly mocked for all of this friends the The only thing is, the vast majority of all of these so-called conspiracies have ended up being true, have they not? How many things uh, have been dubbed a vast right-wing conspiracy that have turned out to be fact? (laughs) You know, the fact that our government is running amok, that there are corrupt politicians in the highest positions of the land, all of that is, in fact, true, friends. And once... These conspiracies get called out once the actual data and the evidence come to light. Once everything gets put on the table, uh, then we can take a good look at it. And when we take a good look at it, all of a sudden it turns out that there is a secret cabal. Matter of fact, you know, Rockefeller admitted to the secret cabal that's trying to undermine America and institute a new world order. Those are their words, friends, not mine. And they have been working together, collaborating all around the world with their public-private partnerships to institute a system of global governance that they call, they call the New World Order. And I think that we need to be talking about this because now... This secret cabal has stepped out of the shadows, at least to some extent. You know, they've kind of made their intentions known to some degree. And when they announced that COVID-19 was just the start of what they have called the Great Reset, then it was like, holy smokes, well, what else you got in store here? And again, friends, it's not crazy. It's not conspiracy. COVID-19, the Great Reset, that was actually the title of a book, which many of you know was written by one of the world's most prominent globalists, Dr. Evil himself, Mr. Klausy Klaus Schwab, who happens to be the founder of the now well-known World Economic Forum. Now, all 
of this secret cabal, great reset stuff, which sounds like conspiracy, except for that it's not, you know, all of this is what is driving public policy at the local level. And there's a lot of dots to connect to get from point A to point B. But friends, that's what this show is really all about here. I want to lay it out for you. The evidence of this great reset is all around us. It's in the twisted science. It's in the perverted curriculum and public policies. It's in the fiscal insanity. It's in the social upheaval. And it's in the relentless propaganda that seeks to reshape how each of us see the world. The truth is that people are spellbound and mesmerized by the media. All the smoke and mirrors, they're too caught up in trying to survive to notice that this is all just political theater, that all of this chaos is being orchestrated by an invisible hand that seeks to control the whole of humanity, friends. And with the advent of modern technologies, like the weaponized AI, artificial intelligence, all that stuff we've been talking about, friends, with all of that, they are very, very close to pulling it off. And that that's just the truth. That's the reality that we have to come face to face with. And friends, like I said, you know, the torch report is the truth you can trust, not because I ask you to take my word for it, but because as Rush Limbaugh liked to say, I am in fact documented as being almost always right. And that's because I spend countless hours doing an insane amount of research in order to provide you with the facts and the data and the evidence that you need need to develop your own informed perspective because it's it's the data and the facts and the evidence that I'm using to develop my own informed perspective. And friends, let me just tell you right now, if I'm wrong, I'll tell you that I'm wrong. And also, please know that if you go to thetorchreport.com, thetorchreport.com, that's where you're going to find all the facts and the figures and all of the credible sources, the primary sources that support everything I share with you on this program. TheTorchReport.com is also where you get to find my witty 20-minute podcast five days a week, free full reports, and tons of links to some of the best information on the net. Now, if at any point you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you would like to chide and deride me, friends, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email at Luke at thetorchreport.com. It's always great to hear from you, so please don't hesitate to shoot me an email, Luke, L-U-K-E, at thetorchreport.com. Friends, this week was a whirlwind of a week, uh, at least for me, and I'm sure it was a whirlwind for many of you. Springtime is kind of busy and all that, and it went so it went by so fast, friends, it would make your head spin. And of course, as always, There was more going on than you can shake a stick at, friends. The Daily Torch reports this week covered everything from the rapidly spreading woke mind virus to transhumanism and global censorship and misplaced financial panic to Jeffrey Effing Epstein, the drone attack on the Kremlin, future Earth, and molecular tweezers. <laughs> Friends, have you ever heard of molecular tweezers before? You know, there's a lot of things that we don't know, and you don't know what you don't know. So I'm just curious if you've ever heard of molecular tweezers before, because I had not. And I learned about molecular tweezers while I was researching how the commies are trying to assimilate us into the collective. <laughs> you know, it's, it's exactly like how the Borg did it in Star Trek. The Borg, they used nanobots uh, to, to assimilate the universe into the collective, and that led me into looking into this modern nanotechnology. And as I started looking into this modern nanotechnology, I discovered that scientists were using molecular tweezers to build nanomachines. Now, watch out NASCAR, (laughs) because these brilliant scientists have been racing their nanocars, right? They use the the molecular tweezers to build nanocars, and then they have international racing competitions with nanobots. And I just, I got to tell you, friends, I find it absolutely fascinating. You know, this nano stuff, it is incomprehensibly small. 
a nanometer is less than half the width of a single strand of human DNA. And that means that all of these, you know, these nano cars and these molecular tweezers and all that, they got to be pretty damn tiny, friends. At any rate, this is the kind of stuff I like to get into in the daily reports. And as it turns out, you know, that that as I was digging into this, the scientists Turns out they're they're using these nanobots now to build digital immunity ecosystems. That's a direct quote. Digital uh, digital immunity ecosystems. They're using nanobots to do this. And the next generation of so-called smart vaccines are using these nanobots to transfer sensory and motor signals to and from the brain. Friends, that is a direct quote. You see here that the scientists in the modern world, much like the Borg of Star Trek, are using nanobots to to transfer sensory and motor signals to and from the brains. Zoiks! <laughs> yeah, this is this is remarkably disturbing to me, friends. I don't know what you think about it, but you know, given the remarkable similarities to the nanobots being used by the Borg, and the fact that there really is there is no way of seeing or detecting these little nano machines. I don't know. You know, I just I don't know what to think about all this. We know that the tech is out there, but we don't really know what they're doing with it. <laughs> anyway, friends, I I'm actually getting a little ahead of myself here because all that nano stuff was documented in Tuesday's report, Torch Report 357, the woke mind virus, which we're going to circle back to here in a bit. But first, again, this week has been a very busy week. It was actually a special week because, as many of you know, this week was the Home and Garden Show at the Clickitat County Fairgrounds. And let me tell you, what a great event. It was amazing. There are so many cool things to look at. You know, there you can ooh and ah, you know, there's super sweet knives and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you could touch it and you could feel it and you could buy things you never knew you ever needed. And I just I just love community events like this because it's the best part about living in small town USA, if you will, the community coming together. And it's an opportunity to meet and mingle with friends and family and perfect strangers. The first time uh, time I stepped in the building, I couldn't take five steps without finding something. Hey, smiles and, you know, high fives and hugs and like, wow, it's great to see you. What's going on? That's uh, that's the fabric, the social fabric. That's what knits our communities together. So home and garden shows. If there's a community event that you uh, that you can make it to, I suggest that you do because it's just a great experience, a great time to meet new people, to make new friends, to support the local community and businesses, and of course, to have excellent conversations. Now, for me, I thought this home and garden show was going to be an opportunity to, uh, well, to meet many people face to face at the KLCK booth, which I did hanging out with Kevin and Shannon. It was great. Uh, I thought I'd open up and give people a chance to pepper me with questions and all that. But as it turns out, it was one of those rookie days where I I actually tried to uh, use some equipment to capture some conversations. I was going to do some interviews, ask about what was going on. What do you think about some of the things we talked about this week? But as it turns out, I was bumping the wrong button and I <laughs> I got home. I thought, OK, I'm going to integrate these interviews into the into the radio show today. And, and what happened was I had nothing but good memories because they didn't it didn't transfer so I'm not going to actually be able to share those conversations with you today but there is still tons of good stuff in this week's reports uh, that you're not going to find anywhere else so let's go ahead and move right along into Monday's report torch report 356 breathing through the BS now sometimes it's nice just to take a deep breath and relax. <sighs> and that was kind of threaded throughout. We got to just kind of breathe. We got to kind of just go with it. Got to keep our eyes wide open and all of that. In Monday's report, I was sharing about how I had endured a decade of chronic pain. I had been waiting for the VA to ampute- amputate my foot. And pretty much every step of every day was marked by a deep, inescapable and nagging pain. And I'd been limping for a decade with a fused ankle, which had taken its toll on my body and my hips and my back were all jacked up and my neck and my shoulders were way out of whack. And for a period of time, it seemed like 
There was really nothing I could do to mitigate all of this misery, except uh, medicate with heavy narcotics. And of course, the VA had given me plenty of uh, heavy narcotics. They'd given me Vicodin for regular pain and morphine for breakthrough pain and gabapentin for nerve pain and methocarbamol for muscle pain. And all of these drugs kind of helped a little bit, you know, but more than anything else, All these narcotics, they just kind of doled the dreary days. They muddled my mind, and it seemed like mental acuity was impossible to muster. It was like I was going through life with a paper bag on my head. But then, but then, I learned to breathe. And it was amazing. I actually bought a small library of books on yoga and meditation and tai chi and qigong and all of this. And in fairly short order... I was able to kick the narcotics and manage the pain holistically. Now, when that was how man, I felt so much better, I asked my doctor, I said, hey, uh, what would happen if I just stopped taking all these medications? You know, if I, if I quit cold turkey, is my heart going to stop? Is it going to kill me? And the doctor said, well, you know what? It might feel like you're going to die, but ultimately uh, you're going to live, though he did highly recommend, you know, kind of gradually easing off the drugs over the course of a few months and all that. But that, friends, that is not really my style. And so, you know, I, I, as I, I was just desperate, desperate to reclaim my life, desperate to reclaim my mental acuity. And now I had this whole new box of tools to help rebuild my body and my mind most importantly the the tool of better breathing and through thousands and thousands of hours of yoga and meditation i kid you not friends i learned just how intricate and inextricably linked the body mind connection is i learned how to access and how to activate and how to explore this connection between the mind and body and that's what allowed me to manage the pain, really using nothing more than these ancient breathing techniques that seemed to me to be just magical. It was amazing. Now, fast forward, and I ended up not having to amputate my foot. It was pretty cool. The doctors were stunned. They're like, what the heck? You know, this is remarkable. What are you doing? I had lost 75 pounds. I'd gained uh, range of motion that had been hindered for over a decade. I still had a fused ankle, but man, I was moving again. And I had gained balance and strength in ways that honestly I'd never imagined having. And, you know, even in the days of my athletic youth, even in my military service, I couldn't stand on my head. I couldn't do all these crazy things, but I I was learning how to do this. And not only was I learning how to rebuild my brain body connection and open up, you know, range of motion and all that, I was learning how to properly breathe. And by learning how to properly breathe and learning these ancient breathing techniques, it kind of led me down this journey of healing and recovery. And I, I, I realized that it was transforming me from the inside out. And as I was reflecting on this life experience this week, I realized that that's what they're trying to do. The globalists, the commie global cabal, they're trying to transform us from the inside out. Now, Barack Hussein Obama, he said that he was going to fundamentally transform America. And Joe The sock puppet Biden said that he's going to finish the job. And of course, when Obama said it, that was kind of an eye opening statement. Like, what do you mean you're going to fundamentally transform America? This is the country that I love. I don't really want to transform anything. I mean, it's not perfect. And there's things that we can work on, but fundamentally transform America. At any rate, it was only recently that I learned that the global elites have been working to transform humanity for a really long time time. And by transform humanity, what I mean is they intend to transform human consciousness. They've mastered the art of psychological warfare. They know how to reshape our perspectives, how to change our language and the way that we relate to things. And all of this changes the way that we believe things and it changes the way that we behave and all of this change this is you know it really changes how we perceive things when the globalists talk about controlling emerging public perceptions perceptions how we perceive things that's what they're after how do we interpret our life experience and 
That's we, we dug into that deep friends on Friday's report, uh, but it does kind of tie us back into Tuesday's report, which I had jumped out the gate with uh, from Torch Report 357, the woke mind virus. That's where we were really getting into, you know, again, the nanobots, you know, like the Borgs using nanobots to assimilate the universe into a collective. Of course, that's just science fiction. It sounds like crazy talk. But then when you start digging into the advances in modern technology, all of these 21st century nano machines like the nanobots and the nano cars and the smart vaccines and the digital immune systems and all of that stuff, you know, that's, you know, that's amazing in and of itself. But, when you start to kind of dovetail that together or put that together with this this new woke mind virus, this this tr- transformation of consciousness, it, it's it's fascinating to me. You know, Elon Musk and Bill Mayer, you guys know Bill Mayer. He's uh, the Bill Mayer show. I think it's real talk or in real time with Bill Mayer. He's uh, liberal. Uh, but he's out there talking about this woke mind virus with Elon Musk, and they're doing it on primetime TV. So it's not some fringe thing, friends. Uh, as liberal as he is, at least Bill Mayer is intellectually honest. And I love the fact that he's calling out the left on all of this woke insanity. Uh, you know, they, they would like to, everybody to believe that there's only one way of doing things. You know, I don't I don't feel like. I have to agree with everybody on everything. I don't think that we should expect that everybody's going to think the way that we think and agree with the way that we want to do things. People aren't really like that. But the woke mind virus demands that everyone agrees on everything. Think global consensus on everything, okay? That there's only one way to do things, that there's only one way to save the planet, and it's their way. It's either their way or the highway, and resistance is futile, or so they say. But as any honest person can look around and see, I mean, obviously, People don't agree, right? We People definitely do not agree on things. So doesn't that mean that we can agree that we don't agree? You know, we can agree that we do not agree. The question then becomes, can we agree to disagree? Is it okay if we don't see the things, see things the same way, if we don't want to solve the problem in the same way? That I think that that's healthy, that's normal, but according to the you know the collective hive mind, that's not okay. Now, at the root of this question, as to whether or not we can agree to disagree, it's really a question of whether or not we have mutual respect. Because I can choose to respect someone even if I disagree with them, right? I mean, we, we might have a conversation. If you ever see me out in town and say, Luke, what's going on? What the heck are you talking about? This or that or the other thing. We have a conversation. I'll tell you what I think and why I think that. You tell me what you think and why you think that. And though we may not agree, I can still have respect and appreciate the perspective that you bring to the table. Not so with somebody who's been infected by the woke uh, mind virus. Now, the question is... When we're having a conversation, you know, can we can we elicit mutual respect? Mutual respect is in a mutual interest. We don't have to agree on everything. Obviously, not everybody agrees about everything. So we can agree that people don't agree. But can we agree to disagree? That's the big question. Now, friends, <laughs> you'd be surprised how often you get the response uh, along the lines of, you know, I can't respect anybody who's not a good human. OK, that's like somebody saying, I can't respect anybody who doesn't go to church. I mean, come on. You know, really? You know, we 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 actually dove into this whole notion of being a good human in Friday's report. You know, this idea that it's really, they call it the super ego. That's a psychological term. And the super ego is what drives our moral decisions. And we got, our ego has to do things. It takes commands from the super ego to do things to make us feel like we're a good human. And if, if, if having a sign in your yard that says Black Lives Matter, that makes you a good human. Or if going to church, that makes you a good human. You're a good human. And everybody who doesn't is not a good human. Uh, 
we're, we're going to get into all of that here a little bit more lately uh, in a bit here. It's it's because it's we've been talking a lot about it lately. It's the conscious transformation. But in Tuesday's report, I tied all of this to the transhumanist agenda and the transhumanist agenda. Obviously, this is the people who are, you know, trying to microchip themselves and they, they want to put a chip in their brain so they can access the Internet and all that kind of stuff. And the truth is, you know, they, they might actually be getting this uh, sooner rather than later. As I was getting into in Tuesday's report, there are there, there's a new paradigm out there with all these nanobots like the Borg is using. OK, and again, it's it's sensory interface with the brain like we were talking about in the beginning there. But this new paradigm, they're calling it the die, D-I-E, like and then they died. OK, the die paradigm It's digital immunity ecosystem, the DIE, D-I-E, Digital Immunity Ecosystem. This is the new paradigm. And, you know, you can call me crazy, friends, but when they say they're going to be storing digital binary data in cellular DNA, that just doesn't sit right. I'm not really okay with the government using nanobots and smart vaccines to store digital binary data in my cellular DNA, friends. That's I don't care if they call it a new paradigm. That's not cool. And sometimes I wonder, am I the only person in the world that's not okay with this? You know, They're, the scientists, they say, oh, well, this new, uh, this new, uh, D-I-E, this this die paradigm, you know, it's, it's going to allow us to create an exact replication of the human immune system for the digital world. And again, I just, it seems nuts, but they're actually promoting this. And it, it really takes transhumanism. It takes the augmentation of humanity to a whole new level. And of course, they're selling it like it's a good thing. It, it's not that this isn't powerful science. You know, it's not that there's not phenomenal potential for positive implications from using nanobots to store digital binary data in our DNA. That It's not that it can't be a good thing. You know, I mean, come on, you know, come on, Luke, what's the big deal here? Who wouldn't want to have a digital immune system that could detect viral intruders and, and regulate your blood sugar and your metabolism and your hormones and more? You know, who wouldn't want that? You know, who wouldn't want to have such a powerful and adaptive digital immune system to prevent them from dying, to stop preventable disease in its tracks, to prevent us from getting sick and to boost our overall well-being in every imaginable way. It's like utopia. Woohoo! You know, shoot me up. Here's my arm. You know, give me one of those smart vaccines with a nanoboss. I want that. Now, no doubt, friends, no doubt, there are plenty of transhumanist fanatics who are going to be flocking to get this digital inoculation. Fools that they are. They believe that storing digital binary data in their DNA because the government's here to help is a good idea. Friends, I just can't buy it. I can't wrap my head around it. But it is important to realize that people are lining up to get microchipped. And, you know, you think about that. I, I reported on that here maybe a week or so ago, talking about the people, how many people are actually getting the chips in their hand. They can wave it uh, so they can pay. They don't have to wear a wallet and they can unlock their car and their house and all this kind of stuff. And of course, it can store their uh, their medical records and all of that. And when you start talking about the fact that people are lining up and getting microchipped in their hand right now, and they're talking about getting microchipped in their head right now, uh, it, it just... It kind of conjures up all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of conversation about prophecy and about the mark of the beast and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, I'm sure there are people in the listening audience today who, when they hear about people getting microchipped, you're thinking the mark of the beast. And there's good reason why you're thinking that, you know. Meanwhile, at the same time, there are people who are excited about all of this. They're excited about the transhumanism, about the merging of humanity with machines, about injecting nanobots with smart vaccines to create digital immunity, all of which, all of this, you know, it, it's scientifically backed and it's happening as we speak. So it's not science fiction. It's not the Borg anymore, friends. It's real everyday life all around the world. And people are doing this because they sincerely believe that it's a good idea. 
kind of like the kind of like the uh, you know the person that goes out on their 21st birthday and they get rip snorting drunk and they decide it's a good idea to go get a tattoo on their neck or something that says you know Bertha <laughs> or something like that. You know, it seemed like a really good idea. They really believed that it was a good idea, and once it's done, it's done. Okay, and and that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is they get excited about getting microchipped. Once it's done, it's done. And you don't really know what they're putting into you with whether it's with the microchip or the smart vaccines. Okay, they're because they have again, they have the nanobots that are are doing the whole sensory, you know, brain. Where was it at? What, what, what are they talking about? The digital immunity system and all of that kind of stuff, friends. It's incomprehensibly small. We can't understand how it really works. I mean, I can't understand unless you're a specialist in nanotechnology, but they're using the molecular tweezers and the nanobots to assimilate humanity into the collective. I mean, it's nuts. But again, it's happening. So the reason that people think that this is a good idea, just to kind of come back and get on track here, it's because of the propaganda. It's because of the the uh, the psychological warfare that's shaping their perspectives, literally controlling their emerging perceptions with clinical precision, might I add, per the WHO's, the World Health Organization's effort to immunize humanity against misinformation. This is where that that's coming from, which brings us to Wednesday's report, friends, Torch Report 358 Global Censorship Goes Viral. Global censorship goes viral. That's where we took a deep dive into the Delphi method, which is something that I had reported before. That's a psychological tool to build consensus. But these tools of psychological warfare, this is what the global cabal is using to achieve their wicked schemes. They're convincing people that it's a good idea. People believe that it's a good idea to get microchipped uh, or, or what have you, to forfeit their sovereignty for the safety, uh, for the illusion of safety, or for this, this grand collective idea of saving the planet and future Earth and all that crap. Now, of course, the global elites, the global cabal, they're the ones that write the narrative. And that means that they control the language. And the language is what controls our beliefs. And of course, the media establishments all around the world, they're out there pushing the propaganda in a relentless effort to control public perception. But what I want to point out, friends, is that they're trying to control how we perceive things. They were trying to control what we believe. And it works precisely because they are physiologically hacking humanity, capturing our attention and literally taking control of our minds minds at the neural synaptic level. That's the science. You know, what do we think about? What do we talk about? How do we vote? What do we believe? How do we behave? All of these things are rooted in beliefs and language that are being manipulated, very precisely manipulated by some great evil doers. Now, <laughs> when we what we think about and what we talk about and and what we how we vote and how we behave and all that it all comes down to the information that we receive and that just makes sense i mean we we can understand that pretty straightforward uh but when the global censorship tries to immunize us from misinformation, they try to keep information from us. That's how they control. If we don't get the information, it can't impact our perspective. We can't have a well-rounded perspective. But if you think about it, it's a matter of input and output, Right. You know, the input drives the output. So if they control the information, they're controlling the input. If the input is nothing more than liberal media and spoon fed propaganda, then the output is going to be mental health disorders and depression and psychosis and suicide. Okay, that's what the data tells us, friends. I'm not, I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. This is what's driving. These are the driving factors of the global mental health crisis. Now, on the other hand, if the input is faith and family and freedom, 
then the output is predictably going to be mental stability and productivity and a positive outlook on life. We're just going to be happy-go-lucky, productive peasants when we have good input, faith, family, and freedom. It's just that simple. It's a logical if-then statement. And of course, every poll and all the data collected over decades has proven this to be true, that conservatives are more stable and happy than the left-wing loonies who are struggling with mental health disorders because they're completely detached from reality. Now, I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm just trying to call it like it is, you know, but that's what makes global censorship such a big deal. And and purging the media of dissenting perspectives, this leads, you know, we talked about, you know, directly to the death of democracy, as we discussed last week. But it's more than that. The, you know, the, the purging of the media and the global censorship, this censorship of information also facilitates the conscious transformation of society. And bigger than that conscious transformation of society, it's the catalyst for transforming humanity as a whole because they control people's beliefs and how they see the world. Friends, this is major, major stuff. And of course, the irony of all of this is the fact that it's absolutely ludicrous and insane. You only need to participate in your local drag queen story hour to see just how nuts it's become. But uh, in, in Torch Report 358, we did talk about World Press Freedom Day. <laughs> and in Torch Report 358, global censorship goes viral. I was mocking the fact that the U.N., was urging everybody on World Press Freedom Day. Oh, World Press Freedom Day. You know, press freedom is, is essential and central to democracy. Woohoo! You know, but the UN was urging everyone on the planet to publish a single message, which, of course, that's essentially the opposite of press freedom. Everybody, you know, we want to celebrate press freedom by telling everybody to say the same thing. <laughs> It's just stupid. But the irony was that this collective message that the UN was urging everybody to announce was that everything is all right. Everything is all right. Everything is all right. Click your heels together, friends. Everything is all right. You're going to wake up in Oz. It's just amazing. Now, <laughs> obviously, to anybody who's paying attention, everything's not all right. And I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that not everything is all right right now. It's kind of obvious. But, uh, that kind of that uh, matter of fact on the uh, in in uh, but, 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 but Wednesday's report global censorship torch part three fifty eight there was a screenshot of the UN's website and they had everything's all right everything's all right everything's all right everything's all right with big peace fingers like peace man everything's all right it's all good it's all good don't worry about that global cabal trying to enslave us all peace out man everything's all right it's all good and I just thought the irony that they're trying to convince everybody through an active media strategy on World Press Day to get everybody in lockstep to say that everything's all right, because they're going to get some people to believe that, you know, that flies in the face of reality. And that's what led me into Thursday's report, which was Torch Report 359. Uh, misplaced financial panic rocks the markets. And of course, there was, you know, uh, more banks collapse and all that kind of stuff. But I, di I didn't really want to focus on that. Uh, the, the big takeaway in Torch Report 359 was more of a personal insight. I, I was thinking about how, People are panicking about the markets, but how they're using the AI to prop up the financial markets. We kind of there's links in the report there. You know, they're crashing smaller banks to consolidate power and money in the hands of the big banks who are in bed with the Fed and backed by the government. And we got onto all of that in Torch Report 359, misplaced financial panic rocks the market. But in my mind, these are kind of secondary issues. This is a symptom, not a root cause. And my aim here with the Torch Report and the Torch Report Weekend Review, friends, is really to uproot the root causes of all of this insanity, which does bring us to Friday's report, friends, Torch Report 360, the Great American Awakening. Now, Friday's report was fun. I liked it, you know, I say a, a fast Friday foray and all that, but I was feeling feisty on Friday. Man, I was shredding the narrative with zeal, speaking truth to power and calling it like it is, just like I do every day. But on Friday, <laughs> it was done with a pinch more of pizzazz. And 
I, I was all fired up. I was fired up about the weekend. I was excited for the home and garden show. You know, I had to zip down to White Salmon to pick up some flyers and a new sandwich board I had printed for the event and all that. And it was a good day. And I figured it was a good day when I'm having fun and feeling feisty. It's a great day to do a cannonball into the deep end. And when I say that, friends, I do the cannonball into the deep end. I generally do that in my birthday suit. Just saying. But in Friday's report, I covered the recent revelation that Jeffrey Effing Epstein had been outed as an FBI asset. Jeffrey Epstein had been outed as an FBI asset. Now, most many people these days have heard of Jeffrey Epstein because it was all in the tabloids and all that. This is the guy who hung himself in prison while on suicide watch when the guards accidentally fell asleep at the same time and the cameras just happened to spontaneously malfunction at the same time, all of which is a completely unbelievable series of shocking coincidences, mind you. That guy, Jeffrey Effing Epstein, turns out to be an FBI asset. And that guy just so happened to be meeting with J.P. Morgan, uh, J.P. Morgan and Chase, the bank CEO, Jamie Dimon. Okay, the CEO of the big bank that's snapping up the little banks, his name is Jamie Dimon, and he's getting questioned in court this last week about his connections with the pedophile, human trafficker, uh, abuser, Jeffrey Epstein. This same Jamie Dimon, the same CEO of the same bank that had been snapping up the smaller regional banks, these banks were collapsing because of some suspicious market manipulations. And of course, the Fed officials were looking into these suspicious market manipulations that looked kind of like a big bank had been rigging the markets to snatch up a smaller bank. But anyway, never mind that, you know. This same CEO who was being deposed because of his connections with an FBI asset who happened to be a human trafficker, that same guy... And the same week, <laughs> he's actually setting up uh, several financial conferences uh, over in Shanghai. You know, he, he's he's going to be getting together with the commies and, you know, setting up the future Earth <laughs> shortly after his deposition for being connected to Jeffrey Epstein's nasty, evil circle of influence. Friends, this guy, he was out. J uh, Jamie Dimon, the CEO, he was out expanding his book of business in the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, all throughout the pandemic. And they were making this big hubbub about, oh, Jamie Dimon, he hasn't been to China in four years and all that kind of stuff. Well, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to go to China to build your book of business in China. And that's exactly what uh, Jamie Dimon had been doing. And of course, all of the links to all of this stuff, friends, in the Great American Awakening Torch Report 360. But but this guy, he uh, he came out and said last year he told the world that the commies were right, that the Chinese Communist Party was correct when they declared that the United States was incompetent and lazy. That is the same CEO that was meeting with an FBI asset, one Jeffrey Epstein Epstein, the human trafficking child abuser. It's just nuts. Friends, you cannot make this stuff up. Lawlessness abounds. Now, again, all the links to the sordid details and the sources to all these stories, they're in Friday's report. But that's not really what I want to focus on here because lawlessness abounds and it would be foolish. I think it'd be foolish. I don't know. You know, call me a fool here, but I don't really expect any accountability at this point. Do you think that that uh, that? Jamie Dimon's going to be held accountable? Or do you think that he's just going to get more banks handed to him on a silver platter? I don't know, friends. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to say it, but it feels like, you know, not only are we in the post-truth era, but we're almost past this point of accountability. How do you how do you hold all of these people accountable? This guy who has no business, <laughs> uh, he probably should be behind bars. Let me just say, I'm speculating, friends. But this guy just got handed a billion dollar bank on a platter from the federal government, the FDIC. And 
it doesn't seem right, you know. Do you guys recall uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, the Silicon Valley Bank, when that collapsed? How do you think he's doing? Is he suffering? No, you know, all the fraud and stealing of people's money and the pillaging the village and all that. Is he suffering? I don't think that he is. You know, and the question is, why are all of these corrupt criminals running amok? It's not just, you know, it's not just the corrupt politicians. It's not just the, uh, the you know, the human traffickers and the, and the drug cartels coming across the southern border. It's the white-collar crime and the biggest, most powerful corporations in the world. That's happening. Why are all these corrupt criminals running amok? And the answer is because the public has been conditioned to accept it. Either that or perhaps people are too distracted to care. Or perhaps people have never heard of this stuff because they don't tune into the Torch Report Weekend Review. Friends, you are much more informed than the average everyday American. And for that, I commend you. You know, my ask would be that you share the Torch Report with your friends. It's pretty much guaranteed to stimulate some ex- excellent conversation and to illuminate everyone in the room, friends. But that's just me bragging. So please forgive my ego. Friday's report was about... The Great American Awakening. And I see that happening right now. I see people uh, unsure about what's going on. They can sense that something's not right. And that's a wide open door to have a conversation. People are, are shaking awake from the woke. This isn't right here. And that's people on the right and the left, by the way. So I, I am optimistic that there is an awakening afoot here. A revival of the American spirit. And it is the deepest desire of my heart to fan this flame to fan the flames of freedom all across the fruited plains, friends, to frame the conversation in a way that helps people fall in love with freedom all over again. You know, we desperately need an awakening. We desperately need people to remember what it means to be free, living in a free society, living and breathing as free human beings. And... We're a long ways away from that right now, but we got to get back there. The pendulum will swing and this too shall pass. Uh, whereas the, the majority of Americans, if you think about it like this, the majority of Americans used to identify as rugged individualists. You know, they were living in a free and prosperous society. They, they were living the American dream. And over the course of the last few generations, things have changed. And they've changed in a really major way because now the majority of Americans self-identify as victims of an oppressive, racist, misogynist, transphobic, capitalistic hell. (laughs) Friends, and this 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 didn't just happen. You know, and I just want to emphasize again, even though we can call it out and mock the fact that people identify as being oppressed, you know, and that they live in this oppressive, racist, misogynist, transphobic, capitalistic hell and all that. The reason that they self-identify that way is because of the transformation of consciousness because of the psychological warfare and the manipulation of public perception. It didn't just happen and it's not just going to go away. And much of this manipulation is coming through the social media. It's coming through the screens and the nightly news and everywhere. And and really, truly, the only way that we can push back against that is by being bold and courageous and being willing to engage in conversations and share stuff that maybe people haven't heard before. Maybe people didn't know that Jeffrey Epstein was an FBI asset and that he's meeting with the CEO of the world's biggest bank that's manipulating the markets to snatch up smaller banks and all of that kind of stuff. People, people don't know that. And maybe people don't care, but probably they should care. And so how do you make people care? Well, you do that by having a conversation and talk about, geez, this seems like a lot of corruption, doesn't it? Do we think that it's a really good idea to have the most powerful corporations and the most powerful governments working together to stiff the little guy? (laughs) I don't think that's a very good idea. And I don't think that the majority of Americans think that that's a very good idea, regardless of what their political persuasion is. And I at the Home and Garden show, I had I did have the opportunity to have lots of conversations. I unfortunately wasn't able to record those to be sharing them with you now. But but in the course of conversation, it's always kind of fun to kind of feel out where somebody's at and you can pretty quickly 
identify whether somebody leans left or they lean right. And for the people that are in the middle, leaning just a little left or leaning just a little right, the whole world is, of conversation is wide open. But for the people that are hardcore left or really hardcore right, the conversation's kind of closed off. It's very limited in what you can say because they're not going to listen or they're going to shut down or, or they're just going to walk away. Or more likely, they're not even going to be willing to engage. But when we when we do choose to engage, what I find and what I think that you would find is that most people are kind of in the middle and most people realize that America is not an oppressive, racist, misogynist, transphobic, capitalistic society. Yes, there are a lot of uh, indoctrinated minions who believe that, you know, college age students and <laughs> you know that, those who have gone through, you know, 16 years of institutional indoctrination and all of that. But but there are a lot of people, even people who have, who have been left-leaning or identified as liberals, that, like Bill Maher, for example, people who believe that what's happening right now is weird and it's wrong. And that, again, that's the opportunity there to have the conversation and point out this collusion of power at the highest levels, this global commie cabal, the secret cabal is trying to enslave us all and all that. That's something that we can put our heads together and work on. But first, we got to start to talk about it so people become aware of what's actually happening. The sociologists understand this, the psychologists understand this, and of course, the socialists and the communists understand this fact very well that we're un, that we're social creatures and if they're using this they're exploiting this fact to assimilate the masses into the collective much like the borg friends as crazy as it sounds there is a science to it and it all boils down to what we believe which of course you know what we believe changes from time to time right if you think about it we don't believe the same things now that we believe you know we, our ideas i change anyway you know this is what makes us kind of somewhat programmable they call us hackable animals there's some truth to that we learn how to behave and how to interact with the world around us as children or you know we learn not how not to behave and interact as children, but mostly our moral instruction is heavily derived from our upbringing. And then life, you know, imparts the experiences and the lessons that further refines our definition of ethical behavior and orients our moral compass and all this. And this translates into political expression or voting patterns later in life. But anyway, friends, you know, of course, that's why the globalists target our children and try to indoctrinate them into the insanity at younger and younger ages and give them a head start into the institutional indoctrination and all that. It's also why all the children are, you know, so many kids are depressed and confused and all of that. But friends, the point is that this is all part of the conscious transformation, the transformation of society as a whole, the transformation of society at the personal level by changing what we think and what we believe. But friends, in the midst of all of this, I must remind you that life is still good, even though there are, in fact, dark clouds on the horizon, there are in fact brighter days ahead. We are set for a great awakening. By the way, fun fact here, friends, did you know in Friday's report, fun fact was 1,700 millionaires are minted every day. 1,700 people become millionaires. And the vast majority of these people, they're real go-getters. These are self-made millionaires who come from nothing and, and, you know, the rags to riches, they build something out of nothing. They've built themselves a life of abundance through sheer grit, tenacity, and a good streak of luck and they've worked hard and they got knocked down but they bounced back up and they took another swing at the life of their dreams friends and this is the American spirit and it is very much alive and well this is the American spirit that we need to awaken right now so we can roll up our sleeves and work together to stem the tide of insanity to buck off the commie cabal secure the blessings of liberty for future generations and friends the best way we can do that is to remind everyone we know that freedom is the most good for the most people and that we were born to live free or die, friends. That is the battle cry of the American spirit and that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, thanks again for tuning in. Get out there and embrace the rest of this beautiful Sunday afternoon and until next time, be brave, live free, and stay wise. Well, friends, that's a wrap. This Torch Report Weekend Review is brought to you by the incredible crew at KLCK and GorgeNewsCenter.com. Check out the GorgeNewsCenter.com for all the talk of Click Attack County and don't forget to tune in again next week, Sunday, 1 o'clock for another Torch Report Weekend Review.